0: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray. I'm Deputy Editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Michael Brendan Doherty, who is a senior writer at The National Review. And we're going to be talking about one year of Donald Trump as president. Michael, we'll get on to talking about a year of President Trump in more general terms in a moment. But first of all, I'd like to talk to you about a story that's troubling some Brits at the moment, which seems to be that the the special relationship between America and Britain is looking a little bit damaged in recent weeks. There was some excitement after Trump was elected about the possibilities of Trump and Brexit, and and a sort of alliance of Britain and America. But that seems to have fallen apart a bit now. And And the latest news we have from Trump is that he's not going to come to open an embassy because he's offended by the fact it's in an unfashionable part of London and that he apparently is ignoring, this is reported, I'm not sure how true it is, that he is ignoring requests from 10 Downing Street to meet May at the Davos World Economic Forum next week. Do you think people are reading too much into it or do you think there is a sort of cooling of relations?
1: I think that there is uh, a tendency to read too much into it and not place enough faith in just the long-term harmony between the United States and Great Britain and their and their interests mm. that, that kind of endures. But there there's no doubt that um you know Trump's election has kind of created this new environment for leaders like Theresa May. And Theresa May has had to in recent weeks correct Donald Trump and rebuke him. You know, mm. it, it from the middle of her the toughest section of her negotiations over brexit she had to kind of step out you're talking about and the britain first retweets with theresa was. yeah and and it's something other you know leaders have had to do recently with with trump's kind of vulgar remarks about uh, haiti and some african nations yeah so that's part of it but but britain is also unique in that there really is this culture of left-wing disapproval of looking presidents of the united states uh, you know, toward the end of his term, George Bush would have been met with massive protests if he'd come to London. Yes. Um, and, you know, so that is something that American presidents have to contend with in Great Britain, that they don't have to do with France. I mean, somehow the, the French political culture allows Donald Trump to come over and celebrate a French holiday with Emmanuel Macron, and it's fine. Yes. So that is, you know, for as long as Trump is president... I do think he will want to manage these events and manage the optics of these events. He he much prefers going to Riyadh and receiving an insane welcome, you know, yes. or perfectly stage managed. Yes, there. So I, I I think it's just something to look out for um, in the future. I do think uh, Theresa May would have the latitude, or, or a future prime minister will have the latitude to conduct. Trade negotiations with the United States as normal, but the kind of appearing together in in London or that that means as long as Trump's president.
0: Yeah, with Macron and that visit that Trump made on Bastille Day, I couldn't help thinking it was you know because the French have, have a have a presidency unlike us. You know they they see that there's a difference between the figure and the and the office. And so perhaps the French were able to shrug their shoulders about Trump and not come out in some massive protest in the way that we think the British will do.
1: It's also partly, I think, a function of the of language that, you know, in in a sense, the people who are news addicts, right, who read The Spectator or National Review or The Guardian, you know, they're reading English language news. And, and, you know, Brits can follow the day to day depredations of Trump uh, a little more closely um, it's a little bit more immediately present to them.
0: Yes. It, and also also Macron is quite a- cleverly able to talk in English in a way that Trump might not mind and then say stuff in French that he knows there's a strong chance the Trump administration isn't going to pick up what he's saying.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Where, Whereas, you know, when when um, the former Irish Taoiseach, Emma Kennedy, had, you know, kind of sprung some pro-immigration, anti-Trump rhetoric in to a St. Patrick's Day appearance, yeah. you know, Trump started to show visible annoyance at the ins- at the implied insult. Yes.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Davos, I think, is next week and Trump is going to be there. Uh, uh, last time on I had did this podcast, I had Daniel Dresner on, who's saying that he thinks Trump will go down a lot better than people think with the Davos crowd. Do you get the sense that the elites, not always a very good word, but elites are, are warming to Trump now, particularly
1: since the tax cut? I think there is some of that, but you you, you can't overestimate it. I mean, the uh, elites are still sensitive when when Donald Trump kind of puts out that comment that Dick Durbin Senator Dick Durbin leaked about Haiti and African nations being s holes. I yeah. uh, I don't know what your cursing policy is. Well,
0: I think we could say it. we could say shitholes, yeah.
1: Okay. So when he when he called shitholes, I mean that immediately halted the news cycle in America for a week and, and people had to you know, come out and reaffirm how annoying they find him or how disgusted they are with the president. And Mm. so I I wouldn't count on him not creating some kind of outrage just before Davos and people feeling they have to distance themselves from him again, even if they are warming up. But there is a a level at which, you know, Donald Trump is not delivering the kind of transformation of American policy that I think many expected or feared. Mm. Uh, So, you know, um, powerful people are attracted to powerful men, and and Donald Trump is the leader of the most powerful nation on earth. Uh, There's something irrepressible about that, and, and it's a kind of force of gravity that everyone contends with.
0: And there's a sort of feeling that he's getting better at the job, isn't there?
1: Trump's White House has calmed down considerably once Michael Flynn, Steve Bannon, and a few of the other more disruptive figures as they've exited it. Uh, And it's become a little bit more predictable. Um, We've also seen that, in a sense, sometimes Trump can say something, like he'll announce a policy at home, like, for instance, that transgendered persons won't serve in the military, and then the military will just go on and incorporate them anyway, based on a study. There's, there's, There's a level at which people are learning to kind of ignore the Twitter feed, and trust their contacts in the State Department or elsewhere in the White House. Yes. For, for the real policy.
0: And the Republican Party, the Republican establishment, is is certainly becoming a lot more
1: comfortable with his leadership. At least for now. I mean, there's definitely a sense in which the White House has ceded policymaking to Congress uh, in a way that that hasn't been true for, you know, potentially decades. You know, mm. Trump's willing to sign what the republicans in congress will send him and he'll act as the salesman uh you know he may he may announce like salesmen do what kind of metrics they want so for instance he says we want a you know he wants the corporate tax rate down to 20% uh because he feels that that's something he can sell better than 22% and so in but that's the relationship now and and congress seems to be um embracing it for what they can get. They, they still telegraph their embarrassment over the Twitter feed constantly, but they're willing to, to rake what they can from their relationship. And in a, in an odd
0: sort of way, that's how it's meant to work, isn't it? That's how America's meant to work.
1: It is It is how America, you know, Congress is supposed to be where the legislation originates. And, mm. and in some cases, you know, the president has even kind of returned authority back to Congress that previous presidents have taken for themselves. That is good, although in the long term, you know, the American Congress prefers a model where the president has responsibility for policy failures and Congress just gets to, uh, you know, congressmen just get reelected routinely because they have no real responsibility. So so we'll see how long that the cozy relationship lasts. There's also the the question of, you know, what else can this Republican Congress and Trump do together that, that that they're in sync on Trump was for tax cuts but on infrastructure spending on You know alterations to America's trading position in the world. Mm. There's going to be real conflict. So it's, They may be comfortable now, but I don't know if the relationship will last this long And
0: in fact, you know the before the tax cut we saw quite a lot of fallout over Obamacare repeal and you're probably going to see it over immigration, do you think, this year?
1: I mean, I think the president's comment, the you know, shithole comments, made getting a deal harder for Democrats. And ultimately, the president wants to build a wall or something he can call a wall on the southern border, something physical. Mm. And Democrats in the Senate have an overwhelming imperative to deny him that. I mean, their base has said that, you know, this is a physical symbol of evil in, in, in a way and so cannot be tolerated. So I've, he would need every single Republican vote to get anything done and, and he would need some Democrats relinquishing on the issue. And I just don't think he can get it done uh, this year. Yeah.
0: But would you say, I mean, given what your expectations were when he came into office last year, this time last year, would you, have you been increasingly horrified or have you been increasingly relieved that actually he's not the nightmare? And I know that your idea of Trump's nightmare is probably different to what most people's idea of Trump's nightmare scenario is, but are you slightly relieved by how his presidency has gone?
1: I'm relieved in some aspects uh, in that in the first weeks, you know, with the, the hysteria generated over the, the travel ban rollout, um, I worried that the whole country was becoming deranged and <laughs> You know, that by summer we might see violence in the streets or something. So on that level, I'm, I'm completely relieved that it's just derangement across social media. Mm. And that's the effect of the Trump presidency. Um, I'm not necessarily relieved in that where Trump seemed to have some salutary criticisms of Washington's political establishment on foreign policy or on other issues, he seems to have caved entirely to the experts that Washington has on hand. Yes. Uh, and 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 that has actually been one of the troubling things ab- about the Trump presidency in a way, is that whatever you think of Trump personally, his election was affected by a segment of the American population that wants change, and they've shown that even if they elect a the president, they may not be able to get it. And th- I worry what that says about the long-term health of American democracy.
0: Yeah, so it means the swamp is... What Trump
1: called the swamp is always going to win, at least so far. If, if if even his election cannot really dislodge it, I don't know.
0: But I wonder whether I mean. So there was the in the early days of the Trump presidency, that a lot of people would sort of say on social media, "This is not normal. We we can't accept this as normal." But actually, Trump has become normal now.
1: Yes, I think people are have adjusted. I mean, uh, and and Trump has adjusted in some ways too. The and and Trump. Has not shown the kind of stamina or imagination to really change how Washington works. I mean, people note note how much time he spends golfing. Hmm. Uh, if you're a kind of more libertarian-oriented person who doesn't like activist presidencies, Trump is Trump is your man. He's been a, a great president on that regard of not not meddling more than just on social media, uh, and in fact. You know, his presidency is almost conducted as a media war more than as a an actual presidency of, uh, where he's the head of the executive branch of government. Yes. Um, and people have adjusted to that. And like I said, he hasn't changed so much policy. You know, even on immigration where people, you know, will say that he's conducting a kind of white supremacist policy. I mean, when you, when you boil down to it, it's he has made... You know, he's lifted the um, instructions the Obama administration had given on the priority of deportations, right? The the law hasn't actually changed. It's just he's allowed immigration enforcement or encouraged them to uh, arrest more people who are eligible for being arrested and deported. Um, the, the law hasn't specifically changed, just there's a slightly more vigorous enforcement of, of the existing law. So in a way, it, it is normal, and that is something you would have expected any Republican president to do.
0: And also there's a sense to, to the extent that these media theatrics that Trump seems to specialize in or to revel in, they don't matter after a while because people come to realize it doesn't actually make a huge difference. But people still enjoy the sort of titillation of the of the. It's almost the bread and circuses of the Trump, but the circus of the Trump presidency is, is the kind of media war.
1: Yes, people enjoy participating in it. it, it yeah. Social media allows people to feel like they are part of this incredible resistance to Trump. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, it's it's kind of good for everyone, and and it will continue going on because Trump is. A kind of narcissist, and he believes he should be loved by Breitbart. dot com and the New York Times, yeah. and will continue to to try to go and provoke uh, in any way possible to get their attention and hopefully win their affection. It, it, it's an impossible goal. So all that you can guarantee is that there will be energy directed to that end. And do you think?
0: Lastly, do you think we are now a quarter of the way through the Trump presidency? perhaps even less? Or do you think we are talking about eight years of Donald Trump in the White House?
1: Trump's approval ratings are historically low. And, and yet at the same time, it is very easy to imagine him winning re-election again because uh, Democrats do not have an obvious candidate uh, yet that, that could challenge Trump. Trump's mere presence could bring in more candidates or more you know political entrepreneurs that are outside the normal party system. And there's also, you know, I don't think anyone in Britain and America should underestimate the capacity for the main party to self-sabotage. Yes. At that point. And, and, and Democrats can self-sabotage as well. You can imagine them looking at a President Trump who seems weakened, who got wiped out in the midterm elections this later this year. That's a very real possibility. And them overreaching themselves, you know. Or, or for just median voters to look at online hectoring media um, and and say that that's the Democratic side and, and Trump is our only check against this, you know.
0: Yes, or, or or thinking that they have to invest their hope in somebody like Oprah as a sort of celebrity and thinking that the country must love Oprah when probably the country
1: doesn't love Oprah that much, I'd imagine. As soon as she becomes a candidate, a specific portion of the country will begin hating her. yeah. Immediately. But, you know, I think one of the dangers for the Democrats is the way that kind of Democrats, even though they themselves don't promote some of the hysterics you find mm. in left wing hectoring media, they are associated with it. it. It is like, you know, the millennial who's telling you how everything you like is problematic, mm. that person functions in the culture the way that, um, televangelist preachers did in the 1980s and how they kind of hurt Republicans by making them look like moralizing dizziness yeah,
0: that's a very good comparison
1: Yeah, and and so that's I, I think a problem for Democrats is that people will be looking to defeat Trump and saying crazy stuff like let's not assign gender to, to children until they're 14 years old you know and people say you know what I, I'll vote for Trump yeah, yeah. power these people it, you know So anyway, don't underestimate the Democrats' capacity for self-sabotage. Well, we won't. And thank you very much, Michael,
0: for joining us. And please join us again soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a Spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer.